Hello, Insiders, and a very pleasant good afternoon to you, wherever you may be. This is your host, Bruce Ash, back from Israel and the West Bank, plus Gaza. And I'm here with Inside Track co-host... Ed Wilkinson. ...coming to you live from the modern KVOI broadcast complex here in Tucson, Arizona. Thanks. Oh, this is Ed. <laughs> Hey, Bruce, it is so good to have you back here. I'm making mistakes like I always do. So that's no okay. Problem. Well, hey, thanks for tuning in to a special pre-Thanksgiving Monsters and Revolutionaries edition of Inside Track. And we hope you'll stay with us for another great show. Our special guest today, after the first break, and for the rest of the show, is author and political science professor Donald Critchlow to discuss politics with us and his new book, Monsters and Revolutionaries, Published by Regenery. Regenery. Reg Regenery. Okay, well, there you go. My mistake. My mistake. And uh, this portion of today's show brought to you by our good friend, Eric Rudin from Essential Pest Control. Whether the problem is scorpions, centipedes, roaches, termites, vermin, pack rats, or any other pest in the home or office, call the professional team at Essential Pest Control. Their well-trained staff using the most modern treatments are prepared to keep your home or office safe and pest-free. Call the Essential Pest Control Pros at 886-3029 and let them keep you uh, pest-free. And don't forget, they can help keep your property free of leafy weeds also when the winter rains come. Call now before they get here. Uh, Bruce trusts them, so do I. Today's show also brought to you by Jamie and Carrie Kipper at Tucson Iron Metal Surplus. Call Jamie or her steel pro, Craig Beach, at 209-1576. Whether you're building a new shed or fence, Tucson Iron has a great, great prices, best prices around for steel products. Bruce just finished up a project with them. Go by their yard at 701 East 36th Street and see for yourself. Essential Pest and Tucson Iron and Steel Surplus are two great locally owned, family-run businesses you can depend on. Bruce and I do, so should you. Hey, uh, thanks for filling in for me while I was traveling through Israel. You did a great job and uh, much appreciated. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, I was listening 10 time zones away, and you and Bob uh, were great, uh, especially the marvelous Veterans Day show that uh, you did with Bob and, and Robin. That was, you know, you covered some stuff that, we haven't done before and yeah, uh it was good it was a great show to listen to so i was schliffing away you know in in my hotel room uh, the first time in tel aviv and the second time in jerusalem and um you know the 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 message of of veterans day and appreciating our our veterans who've defended our country is just it's such an important thing uh, we don't have uh, Veterans Day parades anymore. There's not men and, and women we should have. marching through the streets. We should. Um, it's look, parades aren't enough. Um, and frankly, thanking a veteran's not enough. Um, I've said this for a long time. I, I'm sure you feel the same way. Uh, we don't give enough uh, credit uh, and and assistance to our veterans once they leave we uh, do military service. And um, I'll never forget, uh, I was in the West Wing of the White House on a Saturday tour uh, with uh, with a friend of mine many, many years ago. And this is at the height of the Iraq War, the second Iraq War. And uh, we we saw in, a, in the distance somebody coming in. He was in a wheelchair. And then we, he joined us uh, in the West Wing. And 
He had just got out of, actually still in Walter Reed Hospital. He was in a wheelchair. One of his legs was, was projected out straight. It had sort of this halo sort of a thing to yep. keep everything in place. You may be familiar with something Very like much that. so. And, um, he still had, he still had, um, other surgeries that had recently happened with his, with his head and so on. And, I, I mean, I have to be honest with you. I didn't, I, I didn't know what to say. I froze. I still think about that man often and I wonder what happened to him, what his life is like. Um, and I know that when they're still, when our, when our, um, uh, injured personnel are still in, in the service and they're there at Walter Reed or other, uh, you know, military hospitals around the world, I know they're getting great care there. But what happens when they get out? And, and that's the, and thing that's that, the problem. It's yeah. when the phone stops ringing that it becomes a problem. Yeah. And it's important to not only take care of our veterans now, but also the active duty right. men and women that are serving this country. You know, they're not paid well. They're asked to do a difficult job. They don't whine about it. They just shut up and do it because it needs to be done. And that's their calling. Mm-hmm. I have two uh, great nephews. Um, who uh, one is in the Marine Corps, uh, the other uh, just damn fine man <laughs> just got out of uh, uh, my, my the second great nephew just got out of uh, basic training at uh, Lackland Air Force Base in in Texas, and of course his brother had to come. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of money because he's not making much money as a buck private in, no. in the Marines, uh, but he came there dressed in his dress blues. Uh, he wanted to make sure that his brother and his friends and everybody there at the graduation ceremony knew what a real soldier looked like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I get it. I understand. And uh, he was he was very impressive. I have a picture of of of, uh, uh, of him, Lucas, in his in his dress blues, and his uh, his brother, who's who was kind of in his uh, you know Air Force um, blue, you know, kind of casual with the, yeah, with the, the, with the waiter cap. suit. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, you know, he doesn't look like much of a soldier compared <laughs> compared to his uh, to his uh, brother either. Um, I, I want to just briefly talk about while we have some time before Don joins us uh, about the Rittenhouse verdict this week, uh, and and praise the jurors absolutely uh, who who listened. Uh, they they obviously took time to to ask questions and to debate uh, this particular uh, verdict. And to uh, analyze self-defense. Right. Um, and, and that really was the, the issue here. Uh, if anybody who cares to have a, uh, you know, a, a, an objective kind of an opinion on it. And, um, it was, it was comforting to know that things were, uh, relatively quiet in Kenosha last night. Uh, there were some problems in Portland and, and New York Chicago. City. Chicago. Uh, in Chicago as well. I hadn't heard that. Uh, but these men and women, I think there were seven men and five women. Um, when you talk about patriots, we, and we use that word a lot, we throw that word around. Um, but these, these people in their own way were patriots. Yeah, they did not buck to the rioters out there, the mob rule. Or the press or, or exactly. political officials who tried on both sides, who tried to make the most of this. Um, and, and Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, I guess he's going to be on, um, Tucker Carlson show Monday. Um, and I don't know how you could watch that video and come to any other conclusion than it was self-defense. Yeah. I just can't see that. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse is going to have, a. Uh, 
uh, a very a very difficult rest of his life. He may he may have been uh, acquitted. It was a twelve to nothing acquittal. There was there was no dissenting votes on, it, and that could have been the reason that it took as long as it did. Um, but um, this young man, um, you know, perhaps when he looks back at age. 28 or 38, he may have done something different in terms of him ever being there. Sure. Um, and, and risking his life. Uh, but, um, uh, he's going to have a, a very difficult life in front of him. Life's not going to be easy for him going forward. No. And once again, those are people we need to stick up for as well. Yeah, you're right. Well, Mr. Producer, let's go to our first break. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with our special guest uh, for the rest of the show today, Dr. Don Critchlow, author of his new book, Revolutionary Monsters. We'll be right back after these messages. Jamie Kipper and her father, Gary Kipper, from Tucson Iron and Metal. What are they going to see when they come through the gates? So when they come on in, they'll see our building up front. People have free reign to then go out and look in the yard. So it's not a typical scrapyard with a ton of big machinery. We have a couple of forklifts around, but that's about it just to help move material. So when you come in, it's all organized by material, whether it's square tubing, angle iron, roofing. And then there is a pile in the back, which is still organized and easy to get through. But that's stuff that comes over from the scrap. So we're unique in that we get stuff in from the scrap, which a lot of artists and people will like or reuse, whether it's a sink that someone needs for their house. We sell literally anything made of metal. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard, 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? No, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology. Using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Wouldn't it be great if political leaders could create that country again? Learn how to do exactly that, one family at a time. With Imus Wilkinson Investment Management. Call me, Eb Wilkinson. I-M-U-S-Wilkinson.com. 777-1911. 777-1911. Welcome back to Inside Track. Bruce is here. So is Eb. Before we get to our guest and author of Revolutionary Monsters, Dr. Donald Critchlow, now is a perfect time to call a Corazon Cabinets to get a jump on your next home improvement project. No supply chain problems at Corazon Cabinets. Call Monday and speak to Allie O'Joy at 488-2266. Our new custom Corazon Cabinets for our home, uh, both our, our kitchen as well as our bathrooms and our dining room also. They built this beautiful server for, for us. They're not only beautiful, but they are extraordinarily functional as well. Uh, need to call Corazon Cabinets. They'll do a great job for you. On to our very special guest this afternoon, Dr. Donald Critchlow, author of the new book just released by Reginary. And uh, 
Don was on the show recently, but let me just give you a little bit of a uh, refresher. Uh, Donald T. Critchlow, Katzen family professor at ASU, teaches courses on American political history, political conspiracy, and contemporary American history. He was awarded the um, Zebulon Pierce Distinguished Teaching Award in Humanities in, 20, in 2021 and serves as the co-director and undergraduate certificate program in political history and leadership in the School of Historical, Philosophical, and Religious Studies at ASU. When we last met Dr. Critchlow on Inside Track, we talked about his great book, In Defense of Populism, Social Protest, and democratic change. It was a big hit with our listeners. Dr. Critchlow has been burning up his laptop because uh, the world is on fire also, and he's writing about it. We're here to discuss his just-released book, Revolutionary Monsters. Welcome back to Inside Track, Donald. Uh, you have certainly been busy. What do Lenin, Castro, Mao, Khomeini, and Mugabe all have in common, Professor? Well, they were all uh, revolutionary monsters, and I think I needed to tell the uh, story uh, to our youth who seem to be infatuated with socialism, communism, and social revolution these days. I was inspired to read the, uh, write the book, Revolutionary Monsters, when I saw that 50, in one poll, 52% of our youth approve of socialism and communism. And then, then I saw another poll that said 20% of our youth thought private po- property should be abolished in favor of uh, state, state-owned property. So that uh, is why I decided to write about these uh, revolutionary monsters, uh, Lenin, Mao, Castro, Mugabe, and Khomeini, and they all share things in uh, common. We see a similar uh, pattern in each. So, so the you know, Eb and I before the show uh, were were talking together about, and, and and our producer Tom were talking together about what is really now three generations of students who've really had a, a leftist orientation, haven't they? Yes. Well, the other day in my uh, class on Foundations of Democracy, we were, we were discussing the difference between a political revolution and a social revolution. And one of the students, a third-year history uh, major, uh, a young guy and, and a pretty good student, said that uh, he had never heard that Poland had been uh, communist, and he had never heard, get this, of the fall of the Berlin Wall. Wow. A, yes, right. That's what we're uh, confronting with an education system, K through 12, and, and uh, university education. It's not that history isn't being taught. It's just the history that's being taught is uh, skewed by the message and emphasis on social justice, racial justice, environmental justice, and so on. So the big events, such as the fall of the Berlin Wall, uh, haven't are not being uh, taught in the uh, in the classrooms. This is seen in high school uh, history classes as well as uh, university classes these days. We're Don- in a sad state. Donald, just a real quick follow up because uh, you mentioned you know your class and and one of your students. So. When when uh, you have, uh, I assume, some dialogue, you know, amongst the students in your class or classes, um, and you know, I, I know your orientation. It's it's going to be right of center, and you're a liberty man. Um, and you hear uh, uh, statements like that, or others where they just, you know, the student vehemently disagrees that that freedom and liberty is a good thing. 
how how are how do those conversations go? And do you allow um, a free flow of debate back and forth, you know, respectful debate back and forth, uh, as opposed to what we hear sometimes from from lefty professors who are stifling that debate? Yes, uh, in all of our classes in political history and leadership, and we teach about 500 uh, students a semester in our program taught by uh, f- five of us, uh, the, re- the, uh, the, the behind uh, gorilla lines, I might add. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we we, uh, we, in- we uh, not only encourage, we uh, insist and require on uh, dialogue. So our classes are not propaganda classes talking about just Americanism and how great America is and American exceptionalism. Uh, we do talk about that, but we we engage in active debate. So the so in uh, our last uh, class, we had a vibrant discussion on free speech and uh, cancel culture. So uh, I think there needs to be. Uh, Distinction made between what's uh, being taught in K K one through or K through twelve. Uh, there, I think we should insist that uh, history, a balanced history of America, Western civilization, be taught to our students in uh, universities. There is such a thing as academic freedom. We need to have more courses that allow for uh, topics and subjects that relate directly to the American Constitution, uh, the Civil War, and uh, and where we are today. But these classes need to be uh, not propaganda classes, but encourage active uh, discussion. And this way, the students will learn about uh, the foundations of, of our uh, country, constitutional principles, and basic uh, structures of uh, institutional structures so uh, I, so I let, want to tell you another story but we'll get to that about classroom experience but okay. go, go ahead sir. all right so let's see what the epic Times said about your new book revolutionary monsters they said this is not a book for those wishing to read a biography of any of these historical villains it is an introduction the author says to these persons as the author makes clear from the outset he calls his book a warning to those beguiled by a siren call of revolution, and it was written for those who know little about the human tragedy of history. Um, this was a very this moment in time, don't you think, Donald? Was a very opportune time to write this book, don't you think? Yes, this is why I wrote the book uh, because there's a fatuation of many of our youth uh, and a romanization of these monsters. Uh, we still see. Uh, young people wearing Che Guevara uh, <laughs> T-shirts. We were just shirts. talking about that before the show. Yeah, well, that's very good. And uh, you know, as I describe in Revolutionary Monsters in the uh, brief chapter on Castro, Che Guevara was uh, a sociopath. He liked killing. He liked, he actually enjoyed uh, killing human beings as well as dogs. Uh, Khomeini, and, uh, in the chapter on him in Revolutionary Monsters, I talk about when he was dying uh, a month before his last dying uh, wish was that all of the political uh, prisoners, 30,000 of them, should be uh, executed, and they were by being slowly uh, hung. Mao, uh, if I may add, 
in my in the chapter on him, I I discuss how he required a quota of deaths uh, in in the uh, provinces, either through famine or execution. He had a one to two percent quota that were required of local uh, cadre. So these were monsters, uh, and you know, so our youth that are romanticizing these monsters need to needed a wake up call, and that's why I wrote Revolutionary Monsters. It's a short book, under two hundred pages. It's uh, it's grim reading at times, but it's necessary reading for our youth and and uh, our citizens who. Uh, who are going along with these uh, calls for uh, creating the new perfect uh, society, whether it's through equity or whatever. Yeah, the uh, the left is busy uh, with their critical race theory, which could also be pronounced critical erase theory, as, huh. they, as they want to get rid of actual facts that took place. Look, nobody, especially me, is against teaching about slavery and about what actually happened. But let's not teach about things that were made up. Um, you know, you, you talk about Mugabe in, Mugabe in your book. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be in Zimbabwe and Zambia back in 2011. Uh, wow. They had nothing nice to say about that man when there was nobody else around listening. Yeah, well, one of the, uh, one of the patterns we uh, see with these revolutionary monsters is they all uh, create police states and gulags right from the get-go. And Mugabe was especially uh, monstrous. He uh, used North Korean uh, trained troops to uh, attack uh, and commit genocide on another tribe that were uh, that was headed that was head, headed by a political rival. And so these North Korean uh, Zimbabwe troops, Mugabe troops went into uh, villages, slaughtered them, raped the women, and then uh, took the remaining people and uh, insisted that they be indoctrinated around uh, another cult of personality, which all of these uh, dictators uh, have to erect. So there's a cult. They start with revolution, and it ends up to be a cult of personality and and, uh, individual uh, power. And it became worse than that, especially there. I mean, he took... A country that was the breadbasket of Africa, where not only could they feed themselves, they fed the rest of Africa and were exporting, and turned it into country. They're so poor, they can't even afford trash. It is uh, outrageous, and the uh, Mugabe was uh, forced uh, out when he tried to appoint his wife, but the uh, current regime is, uh, continues these uh, policies. Yeah. Zimbabwe was... Uh, and we, uh, we shouldn't apologize about the Rhodesian uh, government, uh, but it was a, it was a thriving uh, society, not only in feeding Africa, uh, Africa uh, agricultural products, but by the time they were finished, the, the, uh, the Zimbabweans were, uh, the blacks were starving to death, and, uh, but they also were rich in uh, minerals. So Mugabe and his party made deals with uh, foreign uh, investors to uh, take over these uh, mines. So a once uh, rich country now became one of the most impoverished in Africa. And enslaved. And enslaved. And I might add that all of these figures, uh, Lenin, Mao, Castro, Mugabe, and Khomeini, were all... uh, 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 
greeted and welcomed by the Western press as the new uh, liberators. Mugabe was uh, portrayed when he came to power as uh, the new African uh, leader, after all, he had been educated. And I might note that all of these men, Lenin Mao, Castro, and Mugabe, and Khomeini, were all university uh, educated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and I... Mugabe was sent to uh, school by a Catholic uh, missionary, to university by Catholic uh, missionaries. Wow. You, you talk about Lenin, and, and I understand you talking about Lenin being this uh, a terrible person. I absolutely get it. Why did you not bring up Stalin in your book? Well, I do uh, have a lengthy uh, discussion of uh, Stalin and Trotsky. Uh, they they continued the policies that were really established by uh, Lenin. Uh, Lenin had, uh, when he, as soon as he came to power, and it was more of a coup than a revolution, he took advantage of a revolution that was occurring against the Tsar. When he came to power, the first thing he did was create uh, a secret police that undertook uh, torture uh, and terrorism against the masses. The description of the torture, by the way, uh, it, that's described in the book is pretty, really uh, grim reading. But, uh, but they, he created a gulag system. Lenin did outlawed uh, rival parties, purged his own party so he only had followers, and that was followed by Stalin. So this idea that there was a difference between Stalin, Trotsky, and uh, Lenin uh, is mistaken. Stalin remained a revolutionary uh, communist and sought world domination, by the way. Don Lab and I uh, w- want to let our insider listen, our insider uh, track listen listeners uh, know uh, that we welcome their calls to the Imus Wilkinson Hotline at seven nine zero two zero four zero. We're speaking with Donald Critchlow. Uh, Donald, in in your experience in the classroom, when you have an opportunity to talk about these sorts of events, whether it's Mug- what happened under Mugabe or Lenin or, or any other of the horrible villains uh, who've uh, run roughshod over over human beings over the this past century or any other century, um, what's the look on the students' face? Do they well, do I they think, believe you? I, do they think you're making this up? Yeah, I think there's a surprise. They haven't. Uh... Uh, you know, they, they just don't know, uh, much about the, uh, about the, uh, history. I was going to say the other day we were talking about, uh, soft despotism, uh, and the administrative state, and the, uh, students had never, one of the students asked me, well, we've all heard of, uh, Environmental Protection Agency. Are there other regulatory, uh, agencies? And the students chimed in, yeah, there are other, uh, federal regulatory agencies. I'm not making this up, Bruce. And uh, it's the kind of ignorance that, uh, and miseducation that our students are are, lack, are getting in the uh, K through 12, and we're seeing the products of this education in our universities today. Uh, they just don't know local institutions. They don't know history. They don't, they don't know uh, about Mao or Castro. Uh, of course, they never heard of Mugabe, Khomeini. They, you know, they know something about the Iranian Revolution, but not much. Well, you're a prominent professor at ASU, and that school's long been well known for being more of a conservative thought center. Uh, not so much maybe today, but in the past it has been. 
Why are the students there, as well as at the U of A today, so beguiled by the sort of um, uh, illiberal, ruthless thugs that you write about in the Revolutionary Monsters? Well, I think they're uh, they're being taught, uh, and there's a general environment, both in our case, both in our uh, grade schools and high schools, but particularly universities, talk about justice, social justice, racial justice. And uh, this is beguiling. It's the kind of uh, propaganda that's used by uh, radicals. So you talk about justice and who's opposed to justice. What isn't described is, is or discussed is exactly what does uh, justice mean. Uh, Let's talk about that. What, yes, please. What, yeah. what do you? What do they say social justice is, and what do you say social justice is, and then what do they say when you tell them what it really is? Well, I think uh, social justice, uh, as found in America, begins with equal opportunity and, uh, and, and ways of uh, improving everybody's life, both politically and economically and financially. Uh, they have this uh, vague notion of equity, that everything needs to be uh, equal socially. Uh, and uh, when you press them on it, uh, they really, you know, they, they, that gives, gives them an opportunity to begin to uh, think through these, uh, these questions. We had a very rich discussion uh, the other day in class where uh, students said that all cultures are equal. And so I said, well, what about a culture that believes in uh, germ theory and wants to eradicate diseases and brings this to other nations? Uh, is that a, a better culture? And she said, yes. And then I said, well, if all cultures are equal, do you think the uh, a Nazi racist uh, culture is equal to a, a culture that believes in uh, individual uh, dignity, the di- dignity of the individual? And she said, no. So... That's the kind of discussion that you're not get, going to get in uh, most classes today. And uh, so they're a product of not having meaningful uh, discussions. Yeah. Donald, um, we're going to have to take our bottom of the hour break. We're already five minutes over for that. Uh, so, Mr. Producer, let's take that break now, hear from a few messages from our sponsors. And when we return, we're going to spend the rest of the hour with our special guest, Donald Critchlow, and continue our look at the Revolutionary Monsters. We'll be right back. I'm proud to welcome my good friends at Tucson Iron and Metal Retail to Inside Track as an advertiser. Jamie Kipper and her staff are conservation experts. They sell round and square steel tubing, metal plate and roofing materials, as well as new and used steel, aluminum, and stainless steel to ranchers, artists, Interior designers, roofers, and do-it-yourselfers, just like all of the listeners here. Tucson Iron and Metal Retail is open Monday through Fridays, 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. and Saturdays, 8 a.m. to noon. Tucson Iron and Steel Retail, 701 East 36th Street. Call 520-209-1576 or go to TucsonIronRetail.com. And when you do call, mention this ad and receive an additional 10% discount on their already great prices. 
Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? <sighs> no, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. I'm Eb Wilkinson with Imus Wilkinson Investment Management. I don't ever want you to be dependent on government ever again. I want you to become financially independent. You will never, ever have to depend on socialist security for your survival. We are here to guide you to financial independence. That's imuswilkinson.com, 777-1911. That's 777-1911. Welcome back to Inside Track. We continue speaking with Dr. Donald Critchlow about his new book, Revolutionary Monsters. Hey, if you've got a question or comment for Don, call into the Imus Wilkinson hotline at 790-2040. Donald, uh, when we left and had to go to the break, we were talking about the classroom. Bruce and I were talking during the break. Uh, Can you tell us about one of your most recent classes where... Uh, you've had discussions with the students where they uh, might have changed their mind after listening to the other side? Uh, yes. Uh, just uh, last semester, uh, well, the year before uh, COVID, uh, a student who, a Hispanic student who was from a small town outside of Yuma, uh, met me in office hours, and he told me that he had decided that he was going to register a Republican. And I said, well, the course, uh, I was teaching a course on history of uh, conservatism, and I said, well, this course isn't designed to proselytize or convert. And he said, I know that. It's the first time I ever read about conservative ideas, and I was persuaded by him. So I decided to register a Republican, and it's really upset my entire uh, family. <laughs> wow. So, you know, I mean, I, we don't proselytize, but really it was the first time that he had ever read conservative ideas. And he said, he concluded, yeah, that's where I stand. Huh. Is that why the uh, teachers and the staff are so afraid of having those views brought into the classroom? Yes, uh, ab- absolutely. Uh, there's, uh, We're having a speaker in for the Political History and Leadership Program, uh, who's uh, Helen Pluckrose, who's written the book Cynical Theories and uh, about critical race theory. And there was uh, opposition. Uh, we fought through it to even bringing her uh, on campus to a dialogue, <laughs> a dialogue in class. So there's kind of a, you know, that's the way the council culture works. Last night, I had another respon- uh, p- uh, political history and leadership uh, sponsored event uh, that drew 150 people, community people. Uh, we had uh, Ken Starr and a student asked about cancel uh, culture. And I said it's alive and well in our uh, universities, but it also takes a place uh, in the classroom, both in high school and uh, in universities, in which students are afraid to express ideas uh, contrary to the to. Uh, the message that they're white privileged, and if they don't understand that, they're racist. Uh, they're just afraid. They don't want to get bad grades. 
they don't want to be uh, targeted. So that's the kind of culture, uh, cancel culture that's taking place in our universities. I think the question that we should uh, discuss, Bruce, is uh, what's to be done? What are we going to do? We have a small active uh, program at ASU, but we need to do much more of that across our uh, universities and in our high schools. So what's to be done? Well, you've, you've, uh, uh, the reviewer of the Epic Times, uh, added to his comments about your book. He says, I view this book as planting a seed, not for fomenting revolution, but for cultivating a healthy skepticism of making any lofty promises, um, or anyone making lofty promises. Talk about the, the false narrative uh, of climate change and the promises being made by American political leaders right now over, you know, the, the recent uh, bills that have been passed are the ones that will be passed, perhaps. Um, you know, it, it, what's the answer? What does it mean to the country with all of this, um, you know, kind of one-way growth that, that we're moving in at this time? Yeah, I think, the, uh, I think many Americans are really feeling more anxious about the, this country today and its future than ever. And what we're seeing, in my opinion, is, uh, is a quiet revolution that's taking place with this radical uh, agenda. They actually, uh, and it's all about power and control. They want to control our, our lives as individuals by the kinds of cars we drive, the fuel we use, that we use, uh, and uh, even the kinds of drinks that we uh, we drink. And uh, they're going after housing. Uh, The suburban uh, housing is being uh, now uh, under attack with uh, equity housing. Uh, the they this new build back uh, bankrupt. I mean, better. Uh, <laughs> well done, well played, Donald. They they uh, they're talking about tree equity. That there's not enough trees in uh, disadvantaged neighborhoods. I oh mean, my God! How they go? Yeah, I mean, and, and two billion dollars, two billion dollars yeah. being spent to plant trees. Unreal. Yes. And they and how they and it's all it's going to be pork. We all know that, but that's the extremes that they're uh, going to. So uh, a, a student, uh, uh, they don't pay much attention. They don't read uh, actually much. Uh, what news they do look at is coming over uh, Instagram and and, twi- and uh, Twitter and TikTok, which is even uh, worse. So they're not very uh, politically uh, informed at all, and many of them don't pay any attention to uh, to politics at all. And they don't. And on top of that, they don't know any uh, economics, their own personal finance or uh, general economics. Uh, they're getting uh, many of them are getting student loans, and they're going to go into debt, and they're going to end up, you know, with poorly paying uh, jobs and. Uh, or not very well-paying jobs, and uh, they're going to resent the system for not having uh, 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 done them uh, well, in their opinion. So when you're living off of uh, the government, it's like living off of a big tent, and it's hard to break away from uh, Mother State. Donald, you know, we were talking about uh, climate change and the Build Back Better bankrupt plan. Um, Could somebody like Greta Thunberg... 
potentially be a future revolutionary monster in the name of saving the planet? Because you, you talk about, you know, uh, God, you talk about social justice, you know, uh, um, these were, you know, reasons that these other rulers have come to power. Um, is something like climate change and, and gr- the New Green Deal, is that a big enough thing where somebody like a Greta Thunberg could be a future revolutionary monster? Well, she's just learning to dance, so I don't know if she's, uh, 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 I don't know if you saw that video where she's, uh, dancing. Uh, I don't know about, uh, you know, Greta becoming a revolutionary monster, but there is a drive, uh, to, uh, persuade students that it's best to have, uh, uh, the government, uh, regulate their entire, uh, entire lives. And so, what the what's being basically proposed is that they not drive because who can afford a, a electric uh, vehicle, and we don't we know there are problems with them already, uh, and uh, these electric vehicles are going to be uh, used batteries from uh, China or rare earth minerals from them, and they'll live uh, in apartments, use public transportation. And so there is a creation of an authoritarian state taking place and a general welfare state in which they, in which uh, people will uh, live uh, in a different kind of way uh, in a European style uh, socialist uh, welfare regulatory uh, state. Wow. And, and they'll be uh, numb, numb to it. So, uh, you know, in my opinion, you know, uh, you know, drugs and pornography and, Video games will be all available uh, to uh, to the new uh, youth. Uh, maybe they'll be worshiping uh, Greta, but we see the replacement of traditional religion uh, by a, a new religion in which we uh, we all have to renounce our sins, and we have uh, high priests and priestesses uh, who have already been uh, sanctified and have uh, secret knowledge of you know, the the future of, uh, of history. That's so, what we're experiencing right now. Donald, as, as a Jew, um, it seems to me by observation that um, liberal or leftist thinking has replaced Torah Talmud um, and the, the sages, uh, the patriarchs, uh, uh, who have been so revered and so right for, for so many centuries. Um, I mean, that's my personal observation, uh, just within my own religion, uh, because when you go to many services, it's not about Torah Talmud anymore. It's about whatever the current um, thing is uh, for the Democratic Party or for the left that's popular. Well, I've heard those stories from other Jews. Like every uh, Christian, is ex- uh, those who go to church are experiencing much of the same thing. In mainstream Protestant churches and now in many uh, Catholic parishes as well. One of the patterns that we see in these uh, revolutionary monsters, as described in the book, is that the first thing they do is to uh, attack religion or religious dissenters. Uh, they attack a uh, family, and they're replaced by a new cult of personality and the, uh, and the dreams of a future new perfect uh, man. And that means uh, uh, erasing history. So in all of the uh, revolutions, we see bad ideas. The start of them begin with bad ideas, 
we like to think uh, ideas matter, ideas have consequences. Well, bad ideas have perhaps have even more consequences. So we see in all of these uh, uh, pre-revolutionary uh, countries bad ideas filtering in. We see uh, Russia, Russian youth by the 1870s all reading Marxism. Similarly, in Mao in uh, Mao's uh, pre-revolutionary uh, China. And then Castro, Mugabe, and Khomeini all reading anti-colonialism, anti-American, anti-Western thought and writings. And I might add that Khomeini, uh, who's, uh, who's described and portrayed as a as, uh, simple Islamic uh, scholar, uh, he was uh, in his so-called scholarship, which I read in, in uh, translation, he, uh, he, he attacks uh, not only the West, but particularly uh, Jews. He said there was a, he, he, uh, he, he proposes that, or argues that there was a Zionist conspiracy, a Jewish conspiracy, going back 200 years. It's now joined the uh, West, uh, Western powers, to try to undermine Islamic uh, society, traditional Islamic society in which he which he uh, sees as a quite narrow vision. So he, he's his scholarship, Bruce, is is vehemently and shockingly anti-Semitic and anti-Jewish, and yet he's described as an Islamic uh, scholar, wow. a simple one. Yeah, Don, this is Ab again. Uh, we've got a caller who's been waiting a couple of minutes to talk to you, uh, Paul. Go ahead. Yeah, thank you. Um... I tell you, for many years in different states, I have supported uh, congressmen and senators, financially and otherwise, who have expressed ideas very similar to your guests. <clears throat> they make these views uh, in private uh, in order to get money, but by the time they get into Washington, they totally forget these ideas and become part of the uh, <coughs> of the party circuit in Washington, and you never hear of these ideas again. Now, now these people, uh, ever since uh, John Kennedy, actually, have expressed ideas that this country cannot survive <coughs> in the two in the split that we have going on now. That is much worse than the North-South split before 1860 and that was just one issue and uh, and now we have several issues and unless we and you are willing to stand up and fight uh, we may as well establish two different countries now because otherwise we're going straight down the tubes into communism and we need some more representatives to talk like you do and these college professors should all be let go until they can take a proper test. Thanks, Paul. Donald, your your comments? Well, you have, uh, I think you hit a lot of things right on the head, Paul. And uh, I do think that uh, we need to fight back. And I'm too sick of uh, politicians, uh, especially so-called conservatives, proclaiming all these things, and then they get into office. I think one of the problems that, uh, conservatives uh, face, and the Republicans are the voice of uh, conservatism, is that uh, 
it's more than just getting inside the beltway. Uh, many of them uh, are aligned with uh, they see global interests and corporate interests, which are greedy, uh, who just see uh, see China as the new uh, the new market. So how are we going to confront this? I think we need to have uh, grassroots uh, activism. We need to fight on every front, if it's uh, including the uh, school boards, but also beginning to hold those state representatives uh, in our in the ha- in our state legislators and in the national government responsible. And uh, we need to push back. In the end, it's only going to be grassroots mobilization. But I don't think, Paul, it's going to take, you know, just one election, 22 or 24, to really change things. The left is taking over every major institution with, uh, with few exceptions, uh, such as uh, media. Thank God we have people like uh, Bruce on the air. But they've taken over, uh, they've taken over the uh, Democratic Party. About 23% of the Democrats now consider themselves radical uh, activists. They've taken over media, they've taken over uh, academia, they've taken over our schools, uh, they've taken over entertainment, and, uh, and we need to, uh, and they've taken over corporations, and they're now t- trying to take over the military with their, uh, with their woke uh, radical ideology. Well, that can only be turned, in, turned uh, through uh, mobilization, and it might take, uh, it's a long struggle. Uh, and it might take decades to take back our institutions, but we need to fight back as citizens. Yeah, I got to tell you, as, as a uh, former Marine, current Marine on civilian tour until the next world crisis, uh, thank God the Marines are not bowing to that pressure. Uh, but, you know, talking about that, um, you write about the rise of the tyrants who are being assisted and well educated by journalists, activists, politicians. Uh, who support these men on their rise to power, um, and, and how has academia helped the rise of those various revolutionary monsters? Well, as I describe in uh, revolutionary monsters, it all begins with bad ideas, often from the so-called intelligentsia in our universities. And so uh, these bad ideas, Marxism, anti-colonialism, anti-Western thought, uh, seeped in uh, early, and that set the uh, stage. The second pattern I see is our, in each of these uh, countries, the elites uh, basically lost confidence in their own regimes. They saw them as they, they saw them too as corrupt and greedy, and uh, we now have uh, a corporate class, uh, which includes politicians as well as corporate executives, as well as educators. Uh, who think that uh, that they're all about power and they're also all about greed? They're I bowing to the pressures. Uh, well, I don't. I, I think more than that, Bruce. I think many of these uh, corporations that have given millions of dollars to BLM, many of these corporate executives actually uh, believe that America is uh, is sinful and there's white privilege and so forth. I just don't think it was they were looking at the youth market or they were just bowing to uh, social pressure. I think they actually uh, believe this. And that's the second pattern that I talk. The elites lose uh, confidence in their own uh, regimes, and it all becomes about making money, greed, corruption, and so forth. 
Donald, we just have a couple minutes, and I, I have, a, I have a, a short question that requires a long answer, but I can only give you a very brief period of time uh, to give the answer. M- Mao killed or was responsible for killing, as you said, countless Chinese. Uh, talk about his monstrous actions and those of his counterpart and apparent successor for uh, life president, President Xi. Yes, I mean, we have a one-party uh, communist uh, dictatorship that's totalitarian. Uh, Mao uh, established this. It's now being uh, continued in uh, continued in China. The estimated deaths uh, under Mao were seventy-five uh, million to uh, hundred million. I mean, think of this: seventy-five million. You're willing to kill seventy-five million people. Mao actually called for, uh, argued that a nuclear war would be good. China could afford it. And I might add, as I described in Revolutionary Monsters, Castro also thought a nuclear war would be successful for the uh, communists. That's the kind of dangerous uh, minds that uh, are described in Revolutionary uh, Monsters. I urge everybody to buy the book, give it to your grandchildren and your uh, children, give it to your next-door neighbor uh, who's uh, woke. Maybe they can form, uh, maybe they'll help form a neighborhood patrol. Revolutionary Monsters, uh, published by Regionary, available everywhere. If you trust the Epic Times, you can trust their review. This book is a necessary read. Donald, I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it uh, for for now. Thanks for joining us. It's Uh, been great. That's all the time we have for today's show. Insiders, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. I hope you have an opportunity to spend it with your family and friends. When we return next Saturday, the author of The Soul of Politics, Glenn Elmers joins us to talk about Harry Jaffa, the Straussian movement, and the birth of the modern conservative movement. Until next week, for Inside Track, this is Bruce Ash and Deb Wilkinson thanking you for listening in today and wishing you all a very pleasant good afternoon. Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. What other kind of customers do you have? So our biggest customers are actually like ranchers and people from outside of the Tucson area. They're buying a lot of square tubing. They're buying a lot of stuff for their ranch to close off fences. We'll sell anything from 10 feet to 10,000 feet to somebody that comes in because we have new steel and surplus steel from steel mills. The reason we're able to get such good pricing on some of this stuff is, A, we sell scrap to the mill. So... Uh, we have a relationship there, and then we can buy material, what they're making, bringing it back. And so we save on freight, and we have relationships for years with them. So I think that's really our niche market. We'll sell whatever you need. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard, 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday. What your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Wouldn't it be great if political leaders could create that country again? Learn how to do exactly that, one family at a time, with Imus Wilkinson Investment Management. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, imuswilkinson.com, 777-1911, 777-1911.